You're listening to the Bleak and Review Podcast. Who is that? Quarantine quickies. Quarantine quickies. If you listen right now, it's like you're right here with me. Bleak and Review. It's the quarantine kickies. Post up on your couch and watch little Nikki take a load off and wash your hands. Cause Kevin doesn't have a whole lot planned. It's quarantine quickies. Quarantine quickies. Don't go outside cause it's gross and icky. Happy Friday, everybody. This is Kevin Anderson, host of the Bleak and Review podcast, and I appreciate you stopping by. How was your week? I hope it was a good one, relatively speaking, in this coke-fueled nightmare that is America in the year of 2020. Ooh, I like that guy. I don't know where he came from. Ooh, America in the year of 2020. Everyone's having a bad time. White people less, though, than others, but still, most people having a bad time, whether they know it or not. <laughs> Case in point, wow, I, accidentally, I actually segued kind of nicely into the first thing I wanted to talk about, um, which I guess the concept of white people not realizing that they're having a bad time, too, because I ran into a very fun case of COVID denial on Facebook this week. <laughs> Can't believe that um, I have to say this here in the sixth month of us dealing with a global pandemic. But I, uh, I, there was an article you may have seen, maybe not. It was being shared on the social media spheres. I don't know to what extent, but it was from some major publication. And it was one of those misleading headlines articles that people look at and go, cool, I'm going to extrapolate that this means what I want to believe it means and share it as if it's truth without actually reading the contents of the article. You know this genre of person, certainly. The article in question was about how a certain percentage, a, a large percentage of COVID-19 deaths, uh, the patients in question, the, 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 the deceased in question, had complications from underlying health issues or pre-existing conditions. And what stupid internet took that to believe was, well, COVID's not that deadly because all these other people that died, all these people that died, like most of them actually died from something else. COVID didn't even kill them. So like we're inflating statistics and the CDC is lying. The liberal CDC is lying to us because they want Joe Biden to win. I don't even know what the fuck they think anymore. But like that is essentially what uh, I saw getting shared around like uh, that article with that caption on it, which is like, wow, looks like it wasn't as big of a threat as they told us it was. Trump was probably right. Blah, 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 blah. You know, this is from my friend's ex from high school who is still in my social media sphere for some reason and uh, has, you know, has children and isn't really aware of anything from what I can tell from her posts. Um, not to not to be completely rude right up top, but yeah, she kind of seems like a dumb idiot. And it's it's really frustrating because it's a kind of thing that is very easy to educate yourself on because people who are saying this are acting like cause of death and mechanism of death are the same thing, which is stuff I've heard about before. And yes, I had to see a TikTok video from a doctor explaining it recently to jog my memory, but they're saying they're trying to devalidate the deaths that COVID has caused because technically someone had some issue before, which is ridiculous because that's like saying that cancer has never actually killed anybody because most people's cause of death or mechanism of death is not 
cancer. It's the thing that the cancer does or that wouldn't have happened if the cancer wasn't there. The coronavirus in the system, coronavirus in the system. Oh, oh my God, coronavirus in the system, everybody. I don't know who that guy is either. There's a lot of guys coming out. It's the same thing. It's if there was no coronavirus or COVID-19, I don't even know which one to say anymore. They're interchangeable, right? If it wasn't there, then that pre-existing condition would not have been the, the mechanism of death. It wouldn't have killed them. It would have still been there, but it exacerbated things, and now they're dead. But like this just speaks to American anti-intellectualism, which I've stated before, and I'll say it a bunch, uh, is the concept that my opinion is just as valid as your science. And you can't change me on that. You will not change me on that. That's the vibe. That's the vibe that comes along with that. Like, you literally... Uh, I'm so angry. <laughs> I, I didn't want to like jump in and be a dick and start trashing people in that thread because there was a bunch of people agreeing with this idiot, uh, like going like, yeah, no, watch the, well, one of my favorite quotes is watch the virus just disappear on November 4th. Like it's just a manufactured thing into the election, which, ugh, fucking idiots. But like I, I came in and actually some other person had come in with a very reasonable, not aggressive counterpoint which is no this is how science works and i agreed with her and then also urged people to look up mechanism of death versus cause of death nobody replied to me or or asked more questions or combated me even they just kept having their own conversations about how everyone's being too dramatic about covid and they didn't learn anything and when inevitably they're all proven wrong when the virus continues to exist after november 4th shockingly uh they're never going to address that they're never going to own up to the bullshit they were spreading and the lies they were spreading that possibly endangered or even cost lives. And that's why American anti-intellectualism is going to destroy this country. And I swear the rest of the episode will be funny. Uh, <laughs> I do have one more thing I want to talk about in the intro here before we get to the meat, the meat and cheese of the episode. I was revisiting a, a show on Netflix recently uh, with Bob and David, which many of you are probably familiar with, a couple of years ago, I think about five years ago, it was the uh, the the reboot of Mr. Show with Bob Odenkirk and David Cross, a sketch comedy show on Netflix, very funny. And I noticed while I was rewatching it that episode three was missing, and I wasn't sure why. I assumed it was a tech thing at first because you know I work in tech support for streaming services for many years now, and sometimes that happens. And because I've worked in that industry, my initial instinct wasn't to call their customer service and scream at an underpaid stranger for no reason <laughs> or a minor inconvenience at the best. Um, my inclination was to Google Bob and David Netflix episode three missing. It's that easy, folks, because you can find the answer in nanoseconds. Turns out it was taken down in June of this year. I did not know that. I must have missed that when it was talked about. I wonder what I was preoccupied with in June of this year. But very much so, it was based on that because the episode was taken down because it was shortly after the murder of George Floyd. And that episode, if you remember, contains a sketch in which David Cross briefly appears in blackface. Now, I would like to preface what I'm about to say with, I'm not defending blackface. Blackface is historically terrible and is a way of oppressing, albeit passively, and, you know, dehumanizing black folk in this country. It's disgusting. And every story I hear about some shitty co-eds in like Nebraska or whatever who want to dress up in blackface for a Halloween party and then get dragged on the internet for being shitty. Like I love, I hate them. I love they get dragged. I think that sucks. They're garbage people. 
But if you watch the sketch, and I'm not going to totally tell you the whole sketch, but I encourage you to look it up. It's called Know Your Rights. It's not on Netflix anymore, but you can still find it on YouTube at the time of this recording, at least. Um, I encourage you to watch it and see for yourself. But the comedy of the bit isn't that, hey, isn't it funny that David Cross is in blackface? He's playing an insufferable douchebag who's trying to piss off a cop as a white guy and failing. And so his last-ditch effort is to get in a blackface. And at the point when they do assault him... It's not because he's in blackface. It's because he has crossed the line and is being a completely reprehensible douchebag. And he gets pepper sprayed and it's like a big emotional victory for you watching it because you hate this guy. And that's the funny. That's the fun. That's the funny of it. Uh, Netflix scrubbed that and the rest of the sketches from that episode, which is bullshit because there's a lot of funny sketches in that episode from what I remember. And I don't get to see them anymore. So great. Thanks. That, that doesn't do anything to... To take that down doesn't do anything to actually change the broken system that is being referenced with, you know, the police brutality aspect and the blackface aspect. Like everything that is implied within that, you're not going to fix anything. All you're doing is burying history and distancing yourself as a corporation from something that could be perceived as problematic and might look bad for you. I don't know what Netflix's contributions to the actual movement have been. Uh, I'm assuming they're slim to none, but I could be wrong. I don't know. But I do know that them scrubbing that episode wasn't because they're progressive and want to be on the right side of history. It's because they don't want to get fucking yelled at on Twitter. And so they made the executive decision to destroy, you know, a half hour of art because they're terrified and they don't want to do anything else about it. They're like, look, we did that. So obviously we're good. I actually wrote a whole article about this today on a whim. I don't even know where I'm going to submit it yet, but I wrote about 1,800 words about how this correlates to uh, white people who want to pr- appear pro- progressive, you know, performatively progressive, but uh, don't actually want to shake things up and change the system because it still benefits them. Um, maybe I'll post that on the Patreon, or maybe I'll find somewhere to publish it and tell you guys about it later. Who knows? But that was a thing that annoyed me, and I encourage you to watch that sketch. I uh, know your rights on YouTube with Bob and David. Let me know what you think about it. Uh, yeah, and that's the intro. And boy, it was mostly not funny, huh? <laughs> I think you guys kind of understand at this point that that's what you're getting from the intros, because you know that the rest of the episode is going to be a hoot. Because uh, coming up next, I believe we may have some sort of uh, advertisement coming up, which is cool. Uh, we'll find out more about that after I finish recording. Uh, and then later on in the episode, we have a first timer on the show, comedian Bill Cruz. Very funny guy. Smash Bros buddy of mine. Uh, Bill and I have hung out a bunch, but we uh, he's never been on the podcast before, so it was very fun to have him on. We talk about uh, homophobia and comedy. We talk about bad high school theater and musicals. It's all around a delightful romp, and I think you'll enjoy it. So we're going to go to quick break. We're going to go to quick break here on Bleak and Review. We will return with more show after this. Are you feeling lonely tonight? Are you trying to fill a hole? Oh, God. Having trouble sleeping? Need to feel uncomfortably intimate? Call Only Zone. 
OnlyZone is the only 24-hour hotline that lets you talk to men who just finished eating way too much calzone. Holy Christ, my whole face smells like pepperoni. Here at OnlyZone, we have thousands of men who just finished eating calzones and are feeling deep regret about their life choices. We're here to remind you of what it's like to be in a relationship for over a year. Oh, I unbuttoned my pants and it still hurts. God, I'm not gonna shit for a week. Why did I eat the whole fucking calzone by myself? They didn't even give me a marinara dipping cup. I used ranch like some fucking monster. Ranch from Burger King, ugh. You don't have to feel alone anymore. Call us now. Ugh, I tried to dab a paper towel on it to get rid of the grease with all the greases inside the calzone, and all I did was burn my hand. $5 for the first five minutes, $17 for every minute after. Only zone. sounds good to me i have a fan going too just because you know i don't want to sweat through all of my clothes well take off your clothes you gotta stop <laughs> <laughs> no that is a thing i think uh as we're uh you know in the cold open here that we could start talking about is a very funny thing where i've talked to you about this before but uh a lot of gay men have been in my dms in quarantine and i don't get what vibe i'm putting out into the world <laughs> Uh, well, number one, you have a penis and it's quarantine. <laughs> Those are the, so, that's it. I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> uh, so there's nothing, there's nothing like deeply like, like in my whole vibe that's giving out those signals. It's just people want to put stuff in holes. Yeah. Okay. Where you been? <laughs> I don't know. The wrong websites. Apparently <laughs> <laughs> I'm over here watching all these mutual masturbation videos, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Oh goodness! Uh, yeah, I was having so much fucking trouble with my goddamn computer earlier. Uh, did you? Hey, we have similar jobs where we work from home. Do they give you a computer at your job? Uh, no, we had to supply our own. Uh, so when I first started, uh, I bought. I had already been looking to invest, and so I got a laptop, uh, Dell, uh, from the Microsoft Store. Uh, it's it's running slower now. I got a. I think I'm gonna pull all the music off of it and try to defrag it or something yeah uh, i got a dell and i have the exact then, same situation where i literally like just like pulling up a browser tab it's just like uh, 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 and i'm like come on this is ruining my whole day <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then uh, like at work i need to use a ton of tabs on chrome and so if i open any more than like five yep that's it same here yeah uh, and then when i so take adderall i get really impatient and i'm just like, <laughs> losing my mind but uh, the computer I got from Sean, he built me a new one. But it's a tower, so it's not like super portable or anything. Oh, so you like actually have a setup portable. now, though. Yeah, now I've got the tower. And the tower runs great, but I'm still on Windows 7. Oof. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, great for graphics and, you know, my AOL account. So. <laughs> yeah, I like it. It's my Earthlink account, my... <laughs> Uh, my Ask Jeeves browser. Is always- <laughs> my MySpace runs like super fast. Oh God! Yeah, you've 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 been there through all the social medias. You probably remember Friendster. Oh yeah, I uh, I remember seeing my first computer. Oh shit! Uh, and that was at uh, in school. 
they brought in it was an apple that had like the monitor and the keyboard and then to connect the keyboard to the computer it had it had to have been a hundred wires uh about i would say a, a foot long sure plug in <laughs> and then of course the floppy disks back then were about as big as a dinner plate oh yeah yeah and then uh even before then i remember my dad's computer at work was just green like it was just green print on the screen <laughs> yeah, and green, like the matrix green. <laughs> yeah it was uh just a giant thing and then you could put in commands and it would make you know a word repeat a hundred times so like, oh, <laughs> which was hacking <laughs> yeah which was like don't fuck up my computer and i'm like oh I'm sorry. And of course listeners will now know that you are 100 years old uh <laughs> i am uh i was uh born right before the burger wars <laughs> What is that? You talk about uh, talk about uh, McDonald's versus who were they fighting back then? Who were they battling? Oh, Burger King was the big one. Oh, for a while. yeah, because it was uh, the big thing back then. Was well, Wendy's had Where's the Beef, right? And then Burger King really was pushing for the Whopper beating the Big Mac in taste tests. Yeah, that seems so like remember, uh, nobody. It's like it's like Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. Whoever wins, nobody wins. Right. <laughs> you know? right. But every, yeah, everybody wanted a bite out of uh, McDonald's, uh, uh, you know, empire. Sure. Uh, so I remember when that came out, they're like, "Oh, the Whopper t- during taste test beat the Big Mac." And so if you went to Burger King and you said, "Hey, the Whopper beat the Big Mac," then you got uh, two Big Macs for the price of one or two. Uh, Whoppers for the price of one. Of course, when I went with my mom, she couldn't remember anything. So, uh, Big Mac beat the Whopper, whatever. (laughs) My version of that from my generation was going to Taco Bell and they had this game where you would drop coins into it. And if it landed on one of these like slippery ass shelves, like small little things sticking out of this rotisserie thing, you would get like free burritos or free taquitos, depending on how much money you put in. And we broke that game immediately and figured out how to do it where you just drop it in. And it's supposed to get to the bottom one, I think, is how you're supposed to do it. And so we would just aggressively shake it back and forth instead of spinning it. And uh, we would just have full meals that way. And everybody hated us. <laughs> I remember those. Oh, yeah. The, the, one, the one we had was at Little Caesars where it was like a little memory game like Simon. Oh, shit. Had That's high tech. Buttons. And if you got like if you made it so far without making a mistake, you'd win either uh, the first prize was a small soft drink. Second prize, if you made it further, was a uh, breadstick. And then a lone breadstick. Yeah. (laughs) If you made it all the way through, there was a small free pizza. And of course, back in those days, that meant two free pizzas because they would. It was always pizza, pizza. You order one pizza, you get two. Oh, shit. I didn't even know that. that was, Is that where, that's yeah, where that the was, slogan comes from? That's where the slogan came from. And uh, uh, me and my nerd friends would go order a ton of pizza before playing D&D on the weekends. <laughs> and, and they banned us from the machine. Really? Because like, we would just count on all of us winning a free pizza. <laughs> You're we just bankrupting this motherfucker. And they were just like, yeah, no, we're not. No longer allowed to win a $1.50 pizza. Well, no wonder we get along so well, Bill. Bill Cruz here. By the way, on Bleak and Review, we are back from whatever. Did we start? Oh, I thought it was just friendly. Oh no, no, this is content. We will not speak outside of it being recorded. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we had a similar thing. This is why I can relate to you because we got uh, that Taco Bell eventually because we'd always go to the same Taco Bell, obviously. And they were just like, when we came in, they were like, "All right, you each get to do it once," <laughs> like because we would just rob them blind. It was great. 
No, we were completely cut off. I think they put our pictures up. At one point. <laughs> You're the first person to get banned from a Little Caesars for non like you know crime reasons. Yeah, I, that's interesting because I, I I forgot I forget a lot that Little Caesars is a much older company than I give it credit for. I feel like I started noticing Little Caesars like maybe when I was in high school or in college, but like they kind of popped up as like, Hey, the cheap ass pizza that you can get when you're broke. And so like it got on my radar, but they're like an old company, right? Yeah. Uh, let's see. I, well, I grew up in Denver. So in that market, uh, they hit when I was in high school, middle school. So that would have been, uh, let's go backwards. Uh, mid eighties. Sure. And then, uh, yeah, I remember when the first subway opened in Denver, uh, that was a big deal. Oh, Subways uh, used to be so much better too. Oh, so <laughs> they better. actually had you like walk in yeah. and just the smell of the bread, and then the meats weren't all you know, uniformly packed. And then it was like, oh, you you took an actual breast of turkey and cut it on a <laughs> that 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 you know machete uh, machine, whatever it was. And then they and then like everything was five dollars, and now like I and I I've so I back when everything was like five dollar foot long, like on certain days you could just get like all of their shit for five dollars. And yeah, I yeah. worked at a Tuesday subway. I worked at a subway in two thousand ten, uh, and since then that's when I started paying attention to like because they dropped the five dollar foot long thing long before that. But I started paying attention even since like in the ten years that I have since I worked there till now how much they've just incrementally raised the prices of every single thing on their menu. <laughs> it's crazy. It's just, it's just, it's like, it's the same shit, but it's lower quality, but we're going to charge more and you're going to still buy it. Cause fuck you. Like that's, <laughs> it's brutal. Well, that's some, that's some OCD. I, I used to work at Denny's and I have no idea what the prices are there right now. <laughs> Back in my day, it was a whole straw penny. <laughs> <laughs> Grand slam. You can get two for a nickel. <laughs> how was uh what that was actually one of the job uh because you've never been on bleak and review before so we want to give everybody a comprehensive bill cruise backstory certainly um i was gonna ask you what is one of the uh what do you think the worst job you've ever had is oh that's a good question it's always fun <laughs> uh that's a toss-up i think between denny's and uh uh, let's oh, screw it. Uh, the Field Museum in Chicago. <laughs> You're like, oh, I don't uh, want to blast. Put this museum I, on blast. Yeah, I don't. I don't want a bad reference. And I'm like, I haven't worked there in over a decade. I think I'll be all right. They're getting strangely litigious now. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of old people gonna blow up my DM. <laughs> we love the dinosaurs. How dare you? Uh, so it was a toss up between Denny's and this museum. Yeah, Denny's just because we worked uh the specific Denny's I worked at in Denver was very popular for of course Sunday breakfast after church. Yeah. Uh and it was just a madhouse. And then uh the all the waitresses were white women and all the the back staff were Mexicans and Ooh. they hired me, which has happened before <laughs> and since. Yeah. Uh, they're like, "Oh, we'll hire Bill. He knows Spanish." And I'm like, "I, I have no idea." Well, you were well, the you, Spanish I, department for... Uh... <laughs> yeah, and I was like, I, I never have I put it on my resume that I spoke Spanish. I didn't uh, present that as myself in the interview. Oof. I didn't say a word of Spanish. Oh, no. So I was just like, oh, Bill, can you talk? I'm like, sure. Hey, hey, Juan, can we get more ice? Like, it's, it's a joke I have now, but it's just like, yeah, I don't know how to speak Spanish. Stop assuming I speak Spanish. He's like, this is Denver. Just because it's Cruz doesn't mean... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was the odd man out. I was like, every, all the Mexicans are looking at me like... That's a thing. They're like, oh, you're not real Mexican if you don't speak Spanish. Like, yeah, that's Sorry. that's the old Selena dilemma, right? Where it's uh, right. you'll never be American enough for the Americans. You'll never be Latino enough for the Latinos. 
Right. And I look great in like a skin tight bell bottom stretch <laughs> pants. Uh, and every time we play Smash Bros, my heart goes beady beady bum bum. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you're the you're the president of my fan club, which scares me that you're going to end up killing me. No, I'm the I, it's me and a bunch of <laughs> alt accounts I made. <laughs> That's the whole fan club. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Denny's just sucked because I had to get up early, which I hate sure. and have to deal with just, you know, people with ridiculous and the other thing is it's Denny's. It's not like we're putting out a hundred percent awesome product. No, no, for sure. Uh, you have to deal you know. with you have to deal with the kind of people who will gravitate towards the kind of product you're serving. Right. <laughs> Which is uh, all like, hey, up. my my sausage is cold. And I'm like, well, you have no idea, lady. <laughs> like, have you have you been to any Denny's or most places like Denny's right. in America? Like, no, you're right. Yeah. You're oh uh, we can't even get sausage right. Do you want some more coffee? Uh, and then the other, the field museum, I worked at the store, so it wasn't even like in an academic Oh, you were in the gift shop? <laughs> yeah, and I had to, I was in charge of window displays and then just stocking monkeys for kids. Like just, it was just all the little, and then the, the books and the, the stuffed yeah. animals and all that. And then, uh, you know, you, you're like, oh, we want creative, you know, displays, window displays. And I'm like, yeah, I got 12 rubber balls over here with dinosaurs on it. What do you want me to do? <laughs> Maybe you could apply your theater degree to our merchandise right. displays. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then one time I made a mummy one for Halloween where the mummy's coming out of the sand and uh, immediately got reported. Really? By I was like, well, you know, we're trying to get away from these negative stereotypes of what mummies are. And I'm like... <laughs> Oh my god! Really? That's the that's the thing that uh, Denver. Wait, this was in Denver also. No, this was Chicago. Oh, Chicago. I was gonna say that's like Chicago, that's like yeah. the big the big uh, uh, thing that they're trying to fix for their social climate. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, I know that we're in Chicago and black people are being murdered uh, and on mass, but uh, yeah. you know, we're trying to rebrand the image of mummies. <laughs> yeah, uh, not to mention the fact that pretty much everything Egyptian we've stolen from the British. Oh no, this is what we should definitely correct. <laughs> oh yeah, everything in that museum, if it's about yeah, absolutely it's all stolen right and then the other thing is it's a non-for-profit you know it's a museum so you just have uh rich white women in charge of every department vying for power sure. it's just like game of thrones but just <laughs> for no power whatsoever i'm like uh, who, who's controlling the thermostat oh, it's got to be this department <laughs> i at least imagine though that the the customers there would be probably a little less scary than the denny's customers they probably maybe, well, the they, maybe they're the annoying kid. oh the yeah kid. It, it's just it's all field trips and then what people don't realize is uh people die there every day what like we we have so you have so many elderly groups come to the museum and you know uh that's where people die like that's just their day and <laughs> sometimes old people die <laughs> some people, old people die and then uh so yeah we'll have we have so many like elderly groups come in that sure enough just wow. once a day twice a day someone drops and then so we there's a permanent uh ambulance at the uh, museum oh my God. Uh, just for that reason and you know they you know you want to quickly get them in and out because you can't you know like you don't want the kids groups to see that yeah you just just convince them it's part of an exhibit like this is yeah. a recently acquired homo corp- corpse <laughs> of a homo sapien yeah it's a mummy it's coming out of the sand, sand kids <laughs> you bury him neck deep in sand yeah <laughs> is that Egyptian? yes high wa- high water checkered pants is definitely <laughs> did you ever have anyone die in the gift shop uh, we've had people have issues in the gift shop, but no, most <laughs> of the time it would, they would have, uh, it would happen during, uh, an exhibit or walking around. Uh, the worst was, uh, we had the, uh, baseball hall of fame exhibit come through 
So it was just old people. Oh, samples, sure. All these, you know, all these Ty Cobb fans coming through. Yeah. <laughs> all these, uh, I knew Herbert Wagner from 1932, and I was, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> Uh, but man, ooh, that was that was a two ambulance uh, a day exhibit. Let's just <laughs> two, say that two ambulance visit. That was a two ambulance day. <laughs> yeah, I think just do. We're gonna bring another uh, a bus up and uh, up here in the field museum. And then the other part was you were stuck. There was no. There was a McDonald's in the uh, in the uh, in the museum, oh, and then there was across the street was uh, Soldier Field. Uh, and then the Soldier Field was next to like all the museum campus. They had a cafeteria in there, but the prices were ridiculous. So you couldn't go anywhere for lunch. You were just trapped there. And then in the winter, that whole area is just literally jutting out into the lake. So just Jeez. miserable conditions. Yeah, to get it sounds like a, a, sounds like a gloomy ass day. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, not the best job, but uh uh, after five years, I, I, I turned in my monkey hanging capability. <laughs> is that when? Is that when you were like, "All right, I'm going to Los Angeles"? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's when I was like, "I'm going corporate." Oh shit! And, uh, right, yeah, yeah. You've you've got it. We've talked about that. Down. Yeah, we've talked about how we both have. We're both very good at uh, manipulating or maneuvering the corporate environment. I think. Right. So yeah, I ended up getting a job at another non for profit, which then turned to profit, which then got bought by another company, and then I got laid off, and that's. When I decided to move to LA. Yeah, I think God, and that's that's another thing about that shit that I didn't really realize until I was living out here because I've had probably what let's see one, two, like four different corporate job like big office jobs since I've been out here. And every time except for one of them, they've just decided, well, your team's not a thing anymore. And that just yeah. seems like the like it's the most obvious like capitalism is bad argument is <laughs> like they they make you sign shit when you become an employee it says we can literally let you go for no reason whenever we want and we just have right. to accept that and that's frustrating <laughs> yeah. so you've been through some layoffs too it sounds like oh uh, yeah yeah when i we were a small non-for-profit and then we one part of the company started growing more than the other so i was with that department so that department turned into for profit and then when it became for profit, then uh, we were cruising along and then uh, this other company bought that division out, which everybody who had founded the non for profit made a ton of money on. <laughs> yeah. uh, but we were like, what do we do now? Well, now you just work for a completely different company, which is based in Pennsylvania. But you're, you'll stay in Chicago and work from home. <laughs> and then I was in a department with like two other people. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we, <laughs> we, we don't have much longer. I have a feeling, and, I have a uh, feeling they're about to pull the plug on our life support machine. <laughs> yeah. And they were just like, yeah, we're going to do a lot of restructuring. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Good God. And then, uh, so I was like, well, we, you know, you could apply for these other positions that are, you know, beneath you or that you've already done. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. You want to take a pay cut so you could still grovel at our shoes and be employed? Right. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> and then got so offended when I asked for more money at my severance. Like, they were offended. Oh, you know, our, you know, I was like, our company has treated you really well. <laughs> All right. What, what part of getting fired? Yeah treating me real well we, we fired you really nicely <laughs> yeah we, we we had a phone call where with with smiles <laughs> my, my first layoff in la was from some shitty company that made a bad product and then sold to mattel it was like kind of a startup energy going on but like they laid us off and then gave us two weeks severance yeah <laughs> like literally just like literally spit in my face that would be a little more i think it'd be a little less demeaning <laughs> right 
yeah, I wanted a week for every year I worked for the company. And they they thought that was just highway robbery. How many years and, had you been there? Uh, at that point, ten years. So you asked for you asked for like six months severance, basically, which is ten weeks. Yeah, completely reasonable. But I've only ever received that once from a job, so I don't know. Yeah, and I didn't get I didn't get anywhere near that. <laughs> well, that's the kind of jobs that we have to get with our stupid fucking degrees that we got. Because I'm a film film major. You you majored in theater, right? Yeah, theater and communications. Right, whatever uh, that means. <laughs> it's not a double major. I just put it at the end, so it sounds like not just theater. No, I think every degree. I think every degree can be and communications because you were speaking right. when you got it. <laughs> <laughs> and I might have a certificate in gay and lesbian studies. I don't know what that really allows me to do. So all, was, yeah, uh, all these prolific jobs just opening up for you. Oh yeah, uh, just uh, I don't. I guess I can open a nail salon. I don't know what I can do with that. <laughs> You can open a nail salon that also has an open mic at it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, uh, but just for just for uh, acoustic guitar music. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, yeah. It, no no comedy. No, no, no. You want to oh, have yeah, poetry, yeah. acoustic guitar, and uh and puppets. <laughs> right. But not funny puppets, serious puppets. Oh no. <laughs> you know, puppets that tackle modern day, you know, uh gender uh politics <laughs> the puppets go up there and they're like the revolution will not be televised it will, will not be shown on crank yankers it will not be shown on muppets now the revolution <laughs> the revolution is shadow puppets <laughs> what? wait what um, if you say julie Taymor, you're out you're banned oh <laughs> uh, if only you could see my signed across the universe poster behind me right now <laughs> She had an exhibit at the museum when I worked there. Really, I went to go see her talk, and within a within a matter of ten minutes, she went from being what I considered a, you know, uh, a game changer in the in the in the field of theater and puppetry and and magic into I hate her completely. <laughs> really, what, what, most, what caused it? She is just the richest daughter. Like, oh, I went to all these countries oh, and shit. stole their heritage for. Broadway. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I get that. That's uh, that was before white feminism was a thing on the tip of everyone's tongues. But I think that's an early indication of that, maybe. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh, no wonder you gave up on Spider Man. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, she and hearing her talk just. It was one of those things where just just a rich white lady doing whatever she wanted. That's kind of how puppet. that's how I feel like as you know a, a child of the '90s, and I grew up with the Harry Potter books, and didn't really have much opinion on J.K. Rowling until she started uh, being very vocal on Twitter about her beliefs. And it was one of those things. If it was such a immediate 180, like all I had to see was like one thing where she's like, "But are trans women women?" Let's talk about this for 17 <laughs> tweets. I was like, "Oh yeah, fucking yeah, I'm done giving a shit about anything you do ever again." It was very easy. Yeah, and I get crap for a lot of times for every time I complain that there's not enough Hispanics in the media. And they're like, Bill, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, I watched The Crown. <laughs> I watched The uh, Crown, Downton like, Abbey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, the reason I like The Crown is because all the servants are also white. So that, that just gives me a little tickle. Oh, yeah. That, you, that, it's, you're kind of like, uh, you're kind of flexing on them a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Like oh look, there's not well, there's no Mexicans in this, but at least there's the Mexicans aren't the maids. So you know, <laughs> yeah, I'd rather have I'd rather have whites have uh, uh, demeaning roles than have. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that, that must feel satisfying, I would imagine. Uh, but going back to uh, theater shit, I wanted to ask this as well because we've talked about this at length uh, in person. But uh, 
you've got some stories, certainly. What is like one of the most uh, ridiculous or uh, terrible theater experiences you've either been a part of or witnessed as a as a patron of the arts? Oh man! Uh, well, for a while there, one of my favorite things to do while in college studying theater was going to local high schools and watching their theater yes. productions. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh man, it's. I mean, it's it's right for all the wrong reasons. You know what I'm <laughs> yeah. saying? Like, it's not. I mean, my friend, I shouldn't yeah. be gloating. My friend, by any my, my friend sent me just to. I know what you mean because my friend sent me a, a YouTube video of a high school, all white high school cast doing In the Heights, uh, and it was a tough watch. It was like an eight minute clip, and by minute two, I was like, "This is an assault. You have just assaulted me." <laughs> it is. It's. Uh, but you know, and then to be even more asshole about it you know you get drunk or high and just laugh at everywhere that shouldn't be laughing oh, like while you're at, at the all. thing live <laughs> yeah you're just you're cracking up because we're it's just like oh my god uh like and pre-gaming it, for high school theater i love that <laughs> yeah it's great because there's no way i mean unless you're a parent or a friend that you're gonna sit through this with you know oh i'm thankful i'm here right. watching half the school doing bye-bye birdie Oof. uh so yeah, that was my favorite. We went to go see Bye Bye Birdie at a fairly rich school. Uh so half the school was in the cast. Of course. And it was just, you know, a hundred people and the, the sets were ridiculously amazing. And I was just like, Oh, god damn it. Like it's just <laughs> there's no way there should be spent this much money on the you know, background for Bye Bye Birdie. Yeah, and you uh, tell they're a rich school because they still have theater. <laughs> if it's high school, number they one, they cut, have theater. Yeah, cut the number shit two, out of it. it's sold out, and it's like amphitheater style, not just the auditorium. Oh wow! Uh, or the lunchroom reformed, you know, with curtains. Yeah. So anyway, they uh, the, the 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 show starts with uh, the Birdie fan club, and they're supposed to have candles. And of course, if you do theater, you don't you don't bring a candle anywhere near a theater. Uh, <laughs> you, you use an electric candle, right? Uh, and fake it. No, they decided to go with live candles. Oof. And not only did they decide to do live candles, they had the girls in these giant nineteen uh, fifty style poodle skirts with what has to be just. <laughs> The most flammable fabric yeah, known to man. Just begging Carrying, to get set aflame. <laughs> yeah, and then come from the back of the audience down oh, what, no. you know, the steepest steps <laughs> in the amphitheater style theater, all singing, you know, we love you, Conrad. I'm like, oh, this is how I die. <laughs> I this is Not only are they filling up the aisles, which are my only exit, um, it, they're all carrying... Uh, live flame, Jesus. and they're, they're, they might as well just be dressed in asbestos. Uh, <laughs> I think walking down those fucking hockey stadium esque steps to like at right. the bottom with no support whatsoever. With, yeah, probably the first heels any of these girls have ever. Worn. Oh Jesus! Uh, so then, thankfully, we lived through that opening disaster, and then uh, the show starts, and you know, the, you got your male lead there, and you're like, well. <laughs> Yeah, you're not going to tell the kid he's gay, but <laughs> he was the second open flame on stage. That <laughs> night, and it was just like, oh, wait, you're in love with who? The the, the, the female lead? Uh, by the way, the female lead is supposed to be Hispanic, and it's just the whitest girl in the blackest, horriblest wig. Okay, doing... so they, they didn't they didn't full on brown face her. They just gave her like, quote unquote, Latina hair. Yeah, Gross. and lips and eye makeup. Oh, and no. I was like, it was. It was like watching me, mi, mi vida loca, which was 
a brilliant film about female gang members in Echo Park. And I'm like, oh my God. Except it was uh, a girl who uh, would probably, at this point in life, has probably bought like a fucking, torn down something in Echo Park to build condos as her career. Oh, yeah. Or, her, you know, her artisanal yogurt yeah. stand or, you know. Goat yoga or something. Yeah. Uh, and she was, the, I think somebody was the daughter of the son of a local TV reporter so i was like oh my god oh shit uh, so she's supposed to so, be the love, love interest to second open flame <laughs> yeah and it's just like and then she's the most developed person on the stage so it's like there's no way none of these kids can handle what she's got oh you're gonna say i uh, thought you meant like acting wise you're talking about tits oh no <laughs> <laughs> no one on stage was developed acting wise. <laughs> and only one of them had tits sounds a great show <laughs> Uh, and but again, you know, as soon as the number starts, there's just a, all of a sudden a hundred kids on stage just scream singing their hearts out trying to get noticed. Oh, it's so bad, it's so bad. Oh, and then everyone man. has to pretend like they did a great job because it's all their kids. Right. And and halfway through the show, we we're like, we not we should leave because this is bad. It's because everyone's staring at us because we're laughing at all the wrong parts. Yeah, they're just like uh, they're like they're they're not they don't want to immediately call out like I don't think you have kids that go here, <laughs> but yeah. like they're thinking think, it. Uh, number one, you all smell like weed. Uh, <laughs> Number two, yeah, there's no way you go here and or have kids that go here. Uh, and and you're laughing hysterically at all the wrong, all the embarrassing parts we're trying not to, I, I, not to exacerbate. I guess, I guess, like, I didn't know until recently, like, uh, until friend of the show Joe K was telling me about it, like, a while ago. But, like, I didn't know that anyone could just go see high school theater. I thought that was just, oh, like, yeah. you know, like, because all of my, uh, I, I mean, I never was in theater or anything, but I remember we had, like, you know, like the song pageant thing. And it was like, you know, all the kids are going to sing in like elementary school and shit. And it was always just parents and siblings and stuff. I never, I never, but maybe I probably didn't know what a high person was back then. So who knows? That's but crazy. That's, yeah. That's a treat. Just get high, get some edibles and go see a, a high school production. And not to toot my own horn, my high school productions were disasters. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Unequivocal disaster. Like most of them have to be like, by, like, they, like they're all, I would say there's probably like three good high school shows a year in, in America. Yeah. And really, I mean, you go for the production value because once in a rare time, you'll actually find an actor who can handle the role they're given. Uh, and then, you know, all the other high schools, they got the big shows. They do the ones that everybody knows. Uh, so it's kind of fun. They're like, oh, I was, you know, I did that show when I was in high school with the parents. We did shows that where the, the royalties cost like three cents. Right. Just Broadway shows that ran for a week yeah. that nobody's ever heard of. Like we did, uh, uh, we did a. The, apparently, there was a musical uh, based on Flowers for Aldrin. Oh boy! <laughs> oh man, what a disaster that was! <laughs> so, who was the mouse and who was Charlie? <laughs> uh, we, there was a lot of uh, conceptualization going on. <laughs> It's like cats, but one mouse and just as yeah. bad. <laughs> Again, bringing the shadow puppets. <laughs> wait, so wait, were you in? Were you in that one? I was in that one. Ooh, uh, I was. Oh God, Frank. I think I was the who was like the local bar owner slash. Um, you were a tough. You were a local owner. tough. <laughs> I was a tough guy who watched out for Algernon or whatever his name was. The the dude who was had mental issues and uh but try to get him laid one night with his all the hookers you know <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know, yeah real high school stuff i can't believe there uh, was a fucking uh yeah definitely appropriate for a high school audience but I, I just can't believe that there was a fucking play based on that yeah musical and then uh my big number was midnight riding Ooh, 
Yeah. So you can you can imagine how that went. <laughs> if we can find, I'm going to look after we record this. I'm going to see if I can uh, find any YouTube evidence of this existing in anywhere, and I'm going to post it on the Twitter so people can see it because yeah. that sounds that sounds like something I'm fascinated in seeing. <laughs> but like, and of course, all the numbers are just super catchy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they're all fucking Ooh. fantastic. Tim Rice, be damned. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then what else did we do? We did uh, uh, we did the boyfriend. That was uh, I think that was from the twenties. So that was like just free, free to do. Just free. <laughs> it was public domain. It was like uh, uh, was in a Camp Town races. Yeah, I was in a great production of uh, Ten Little Indians, uh, where. When we started, it was going to run for two weekends. And then for whatever reason, the budget or somebody else was using the auditorium. We got one show. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so the leading and 10 little Indians, not a real easy play to pull off. There's a lot going on. You got to do deal with props like the 10 little Indians up on the uh, the fireplace. Right. Someone's got to you know take one down and then pass you know, it there's around. A murders. <laughs> there's a couple of murders that happen on stage. Uh, so the night, you know, we're getting there and it's, it's a complicated little play and man, we're giving it our all. And then sure enough, the, the, the dress rehearsal before we open and close on the same night, dress rehearsal went perfect. Uh, so the night of the show, uh, just from minute one, everything went wrong. Sure. Just actors forgetting their lines. People, I think started going to the act three oh, no. at one point in act one. Uh, one guy, we had to tap him on the shoulder to tell him he's dead. Uh, <laughs> hey, don't be standing and talking right now. You're dead. Yeah. Uh, of course, nothing goes right with an onstage gun. Plake, you know, the gun didn't go off. So someone off stage just goes bang. <laughs> so that's, I mean, it's, I mean, it sounds like it's the theory of Chekhov's play. If the first act is bad, it will, the third act will also be bad. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it was like before it's time. There's a great British play now called uh, "The Play Where Everything Goes Wrong," and I think it was based on our performance. Because it's <laughs> is that a, just, that's the real thing? That's a real thing. I was it was supposed to come uh, through uh, L.A. this year again, and uh, of course with the COVID, and right. They postponed it, but it's it's a great. They've written a ton of them now, but uh, it was called yeah, "The Play Where Everything Goes Wrong," and uh, there's about ten minutes of it online on YouTube if you can find it. Uh, and it's hysterical. Is it like a meta commentary on bad plays or it's uh it's a play within a play sort of where Ooh. this small t- English town is, somebody dies and left them a ton of money. So they using that money to put on this big, you know, this huge production of murder at Habersham Manor. Oh, yeah. And it's, you know, your basic whodunit and just from you know they're all not good actors and no good directors and uh so just everything goes wrong immediately and just keeps happening so it's like and if it's, the room by tommy Wiseau was called the flat right <laughs> exactly. like some, some british fuck who with shady origins gets a bunch of money is like well i'm gonna make plays happen despite how bad i am at it right like there's one actor playing a role he can't not stop enjoying that the audience is laughing at him even though nobody's supposed to be laughing right so he'll just constantly break character and smile and be like <laughs> oh thank you thank you for oh they're laughing at me <laughs> and they have to keep you know shaking him to turn back into character uh the uh none of the props work one of the actresses gets knocked out during the scene oh, beautiful. so then they have to keep talking to her even though she's passed out on the floor the, the show must uh, go on but the show must go on 
Would you say that in your experience with theater and stand-up that when everything's going the worst, uh, which one do you feel more uncomfortable during? Not like as I'm saying as like an observer, like you're watching a play fall apart or watching a stand-up set fall apart. Which one do you think is funnier or which one do you hits you harder? Oh man. Well, watching a play fall apart, which I've done I've watched been a part of and watched a hundred times. Right. That's way funnier. Yeah, yeah, it's gotta be because there's so many more funnier. moving components. Right. There's it's not one person's fault. It's it's a it's a group effort. Uh then uh watching a comedian bomb, that is just <laughs> gut wrenching. Yeah. Because you not only do you feel bad for him, but you know the feeling. Oh, absolutely. And you know number two, it's just him. He can't and you, you've heard the oh, the audience was like, no, you bombed, you, you ate shit on a stick. I have to like everybody. physically leave the room sometimes. At least I have memories of doing this when stand up was a thing. But like, I like, I would be like, if someone's like really eating shit, and like the show is small enough, or like you know, there's like intimate enough where like it's very apparent that everybody in the room is not enjoying it and they all understand that everybody in the room is not enjoying it. I have to just leave and have a cigarette because I would like just oh, implode. <laughs> the only time it changes is when the, the, when the comic knows it's already ho- horrible. So now I'm just going to play to the back of the room. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. If a comic up there yeah. is bombing for people that, maybe don't get them or don't deserve to get them and they right. start doing it for themselves or for the other comics in the room. And like, that is, that's really fun. That's like a thing of like, I see you. I know that some of you give a shit in here. Right. That that's, that's at least not as painful, exactly. but watching somebody who then trying to really save the set or, you know, just it's, Oh man. Like they're, they're like, well, if I jump to my next written joke without finishing this one, right. then, then I, then I'll get them. It's like, no, you have to just address the fact that you're bombing and try to, you know, relate to the audience on a human level that like, Hey, this sucks for everybody. Right. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's let anybody celebrating anything. <laughs> what would you say your worst bomb has been so far in your uh, stand up career? Oh, that's easy. <laughs> uh, the uh, I had uh, I was about uh, maybe one or two years in. I wouldn't even say two years. It was probably one year in, and I got tapped by a producer uh, who mainly did Hispanic shows, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he tapped me to go with him and a bunch of other comics to. Uh, uh, who are the Salukis? Uh, Illinois State. Sure, is that right. So I, I, I uh, you could, you, you might as, might as well be at this point. <laughs> sure. Uh, it was out of town. It was a little bit out of outside of Chicago, and uh, it was to perform at a Hispanic fraternity summit. Oh boy! So, uh, so it was just uh, a ton of college kids, Hispanic college kids in Hispanic fraternities. Uh, and this was the entertainment for the night. Uh, so I was like, all right, this should be fun. Uh, and we get there and there's a ton of comics and this is my first big show like this where I like, you know, where I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not doing a ton of time, but it's like, oh, if I do well here, hopefully the producer will put me on other shows. Yeah, It's a pretty like your, uh, one of your first experiences with like a sizable audience of uh, right, with right. Like, people oh, watching was, that are important kind of yeah. had to be had to been about I'm guessing around 250. Sure. Uh, was the audience. And uh, as soon as the audience started coming in, I'm like, oh, I'm in I'm in big trouble <laughs> uh, because as the audience started sitting down, of course, all the fraternities came in together. Uh, with their girlfriends chanting their fraternity slogans oh, or whatever. Just a big energy for sure. <laughs> and not just big machismo. Yeah. 
Uh, were you hey, bro. Uh, openly uh, gay at this time too, or were you oh, still? Oh yeah. Uh, okay. When I started my comedy career, I decided, fuck it, I'm just I'm the gay comic now, so that's what I'm doing. Okay, so you got that machismo energy coming in, and you're like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is not gonna be. Uh, I, I'll, I'll win him over. It's not a problem. <laughs> so uh, I get up there, and I've got, like I said, I've got, I think, seven to ten minutes or something like that, and I'm the first guy out after the host, and even the host goes out, and he's the producer, and these guys are rambunctious. Sure. And I'm like, oh, if he, you know, not that he bombed or well, he didn't really tell jokes. He would just try to warm up the crowd, and hey, do you guys remember this song? And then, you know, whatever. Uh, so I go out there, and, and and they're still rumbling a little bit, <laughs> rumbling and uh, grumbling. Yeah, so I, I tell my uh, you know my Mexican jokes up at the front, and they like that. They had a couple laughs here and there, and then I I, I tell my first gay joke probably within the first two minutes of my act because uh, I don't got a lot of time. Right. And uh, so I was like, yeah, so I'm gay and stuff, and just uh oh, one boo, one one one, one person boo. started booing, one really confident boo, and then probably yeah. other people joined in, and within ten seconds, just. A wall of booze. Wow. Yeah. Like that's and the I kind like, of shit that like people go like people don't even think about that is not that long ago in our nation's history. <laughs> like, right. And and it was at a college. Right. That, yeah, it's college kids essentially were booing you for being homosexual in like, oh my God. It is like, yeah, but we you know, we fixed racism and homophobia in this country though, yeah. for sure. A hundred percent. Yeah, people of color support each other. <laughs> yeah, uh, no matter yeah, what. Yeah. Great. That's actually before I'm sure there's more to the story, but I just want to interject a quick relatable thing because I live in a neighborhood that certain parts of it, uh, if you were to walk, you know, down the street and uh, for like, you know, a couple blocks is kind of teeming with some of that machismo energy, uh, North Hollywood. And my friend Hollis is staying with me right now. And they recently came out as non-binary and occasionally wear a dress. And they were like, well, I'm never going to probably wear this walking to the store or anything because they probably wouldn't uh, acknowledge my – they were probably like offended by my non-binary thing. I'm like, they wouldn't even think that far into it. They'd just be like, I think this is gay and I hate it. <laughs> yeah, this is different. It's not uh, part of our uh... – you know, vision uh, part of reality. So yeah, yeah and, and and we don't want to make it part of our reality, right? And then I'm not gonna ask. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that <laughs> seems like a lot of work, and I got beer right. to drink and women to subjugate. <laughs> yeah, I don't. This is not. I need. I need to go wash my uh, blank tape tops. Uh, so I, got, I got things to do. And so you get the wall of booze just from mentioning the fact that you're gay. And then how's right. the rest so, of the set go from there? Oh, no, that's the end of the set. Oh, I no. just, it's time for me to go. So I just cut it short and go. And, uh, you know, the producer guy's like, hey, you know, uh, I didn't think it was going to go like that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I didn't, you know, I didn't think you set me up. Uh <laughs> Were you booing? Were you the first person to boo? That would make more sense. Yeah, yeah I didn't mean, uh, I didn't know they would all follow me. <laughs> right. Uh, so the worst part is I can't go home. It's not like I'm like, oh, this sucked. I'm going to go. No, uh, we're out of town. Oh, right, because uh, you came with the producer this, and everything. Yeah, this dude's my ride, plus the other comics have to go up. And uh, so everybody else does fine. And then I have to go to the after party. Ugh. And you're so just the one that everyone hates for being gay at the party. Yeah. So and, and the after party is more, you know, it's not everybody. Uh, it's just the more high ups. And just I just nobody. I was just kryptonite at the party. Yeah, so that's Why crazy. would anybody? And I think one lady came out to me and she was like, hey, I was I'm, she's like, I'm really sorry what happened. Uh, that sucks. I hope you don't realize that's, uh, you know, 
uh, everyone's opinion. And I go, oh, thank you. And then she immediately walked away. I just want to to give you a brief respite from all of the the prejudice you're experiencing. And now I'm going to go back and drink with the homophobes. (laughs) Right. Because I I definitely don't want to be seen with you. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Uh, So then we were there for like another hour. I just hung out kind of in the backstage area after because I went and got some food and a couple beers and went backstage and just waited to go home. <laughs> I, I, I can relate, not on the homophobia thing at all. Uh, that adds an incredible layer to it, but like that is just like, maddening but what i have had that situation where you're with like the headliner and the feature and you drove you know and so you can't even really drink that much right. and you have to you have a terrible set because the show is awful and everyone's yelling at each other and it's barely comedy and then you have to wait till the show's over and then you have to also wait for the headliner to try to cheat on his wife for a while right. <laughs> before you can all leave it's oh, you're gonna hold court oh that's great yeah i'm gonna be in my cell. <laughs> remember how nobody listened to my 45 minute set well now i'm the popular guy <laughs> oh that's fucking wild well that's, I mean, you know, we fixed it, so nobody experiences that in stand-up anymore. Stand-up doesn't even exist, so I guess homophobia in stand-up doesn't exist anymore, so we've all made no, it work out. It's all, it's so, like a Rubik's Cube. Um, and we're kind of going in for the close here, Bill. Uh, this episode is coming out on Friday the, oh boy, I don't have a calendar in front of me, uh, the 4th, Friday the 4th, of course. Uh, what do you, what do you got going on that you want people to follow you on or check out Bill Cruz related? Uh, you can check me out at, uh, Bill Cruz comedy on Facebook. I post funny stuff sometimes. <laughs> you, uh, he also negs me a lot in the comments of my Facebook. So go check yes, that uh, out. <laughs> I'm, I'm real good at that. Uh, I just posted, yeah, we're, I went through some old pictures and I'll be posting some more old pictures here shortly. Uh, I'm also, uh, go and check out on YouTube, uh, the Ross and AJ show, Ooh. uh, Ross and AJ Lubecker uh, and uh, former Chicago comics as well now here in LA. Uh, they got real TikTok famous there for a minute. Ooh. Uh, but now are expanding into longer, uh, long uh, sketches. Uh, real funny. I'll be appearing in a couple of those. Uh, so definitely uh, check out Ross and AJ on uh, both TikTok and Instagram and uh, YouTube for some funny stuff. All uh, little the, cameos by me. Little little Bill Cruz cameos, a classic BCC. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and you're on Twitter probably, right? <laughs> oh, I'm sure I am. <laughs> you're like, as soon as TikTok came out, you were just like, no, this is the thing. Oh, yeah. Totally turn my back on Twitter. Like, <laughs> well, what's you, your, you've had your day in this <laughs> You just forsook Twitter. <laughs> yeah. What's your uh, TikTok handle? Uh, I think I'm at Bill Cruz. Very easy to find me. C-R-U-Z, uh, Bill. Uh, so... Uh, Always, uh, always a good time. You got some, uh, you got some pretty dope, uh, match game, uh, edits up there, right? <laughs> oh yeah. I'm going to be doing more of those too. Uh, I love match game. Any, uh, it was the perfect, uh, game show for, uh, watching drunk people, uh, just try to keep it together. <laughs> yeah. Just, and, and very rarely succeeding in doing so. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. You, you watch a show and you can pretty tell, you can pretty much tell was this, Oh, this has got to be a Monday or Tuesday show. They shot earlier in the day. Cause uh, as soon as went, Thursday and Friday shows come around, they had their dinner break and uh, time to wash it down with a few Manhattan. Yeah, you know what I mean? A couple high balls. <laughs> and uh, you know, I can't, uh, gotta love my gay icons. Uh, so you got Brett Summers there with the, uh, 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 what's his name? Oh, and, um, Paul Shea. Charles no, Paul Riley. Riley. 
Oh no, Paul Lynn does Hollywood Squares. Oh, that's right. Uh, that's Charles right. Nelson Riley was the match game. I'm such a millennial. Uh, <laughs> such a millennial. Ah, uh, CNR. Uh, all, all of the six gay people who were allowed to be on TV back then are the same to yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> that's my weird. That's my weird blind spot. <laughs> oh, that was the big reason we didn't leave uh, Bye Bye Birdie at the halftime because I insisted I wanted to watch the kid who was going to be. Uh, uh, Paul Lynn's role oh, yes. in Bye Bye Birdie. I wanted to see how they, you know, kids, what's wrong with these kids too, right? Like, I got to see it. I so. imagine I imagine he pulled it off great. <laughs> no, it was really <laughs> lackluster. Uh, didn't, didn't understand the nuance of Paul Lynn's uh, gravitas. <laughs> Who would have thought a 15-year-old couldn't wrap his head around that? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, as for me, everybody, of course... You can follow me at KB Anderson Yo on all the things uh, at Bleak Pod to follow this podcast for potential YouTube videos of weird plays and musicals that Bill just told me about, uh, and uh, uh, in Patreon.com/slash Bleak and Review for more content. Um, it may have come out by now, or it's coming out very soon. There's a new show launching on the Patreon this week called One and a Half Men with the aforementioned Hollis Black, my uh, non-binary roommate, hence the title One and a Half Men. Uh, <laughs> I ran it by them. They're going to write the theme song for it, so they're cool with it. Uh, <laughs> so keep that, uh, keep an eye out for that on the Patreon. Five bucks a month gets you access to bonus bleak reviews and this show that's going to be dropping this week. And, you know, just uh, be good to one another. Right, Bill? How about it? How about just, it, you know? Uh... I, 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 it sounds artificial for me. I'm a real bitch. Uh, <laughs> you are, you are kind of, uh, you're, you, you have kind of tired queen energy for sure. You know, I've earned it. I'm in my forties now yeah. and it, it's my time to speed some, it's how I send love. Is, <laughs> yes. I'll, I'm just going to make fun of your outfit. And if you're, yeah, yeah, you, we all fight the revolution in whatever way we can, you know, whether it's dragging politicians for their poor fashion sense or slashing a cop's tires. <laughs> yeah. And uh, top of my list right now is, uh, uh, Julie Chen Moonves, uh, host of big brother girl, <laughs> you've got to get a new wardrobe person. It's just, Oh, listeners, she, drag her on Twitter if you've got this far on the episode. Go after her. <laughs> go after just either she gets the dress right and the jewelry wrong, or the whole thing's wrong. Ugh. Last <laughs> last Friday, she was wearing uh, she was wearing earrings that looked like they were made for like a 1970s bathroom fixture. It was just <laughs> just horrible. Uh, yeah, well, she's on notice now. <laughs> So we're going to do 20 more minutes on Julie Chen Moonves, and then this uh, could be a whole podcast on the Patreon. We'll be talking after <laughs> about it. Bitchin' Bill and confused Kevin. <laughs> uh, Bill, thank you so much for being here though, bud. This is really fun. Yeah, thank you for having me. I've been uh, uh, liking the show ever since James Fritz was on. Ah, uh, Fritzy, ago, so. Fritz Caraldo. Oh man. He's the best. So if you have listeners, if go back and listen to that. Yeah, go listen to James uh, or go listen to the episode along from a long time ago with James Fritz, where uh, Rick Wood was on as a uh, an everyman who had a conversation with Rob Reiner about what Joan of Arc's pussy tastes like. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's the only thing I remember from that episode, but it's very funny. Wow. Uh, and until next week, everybody, this has been Bleak and Review. Bill, say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. We'll see you next week. Whoa.